I'm Allard Luxinger. I'm a director for Velocity Capital uh, from uh, the Netherlands, Amsterdam. Welcome to the African Tech Roundabout, Allard. Thank you so much. You are a fintech-specific VC, am I right? Yes, we uh, invest only in fintech and more specifically early stage uh, fintech. So we typically invest in a Series A round. Uh, so when there's a product and there's some revenue, we um, we typically don't do seed uh, round investments. Right. Tell me why fintech and tell me why you prefer to enter at the seed stage. Right. So um, so uh, to make myself clear, so we 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 typically don't enter at the seed stage. We typically I beg your pardon, and why you prefer to enter at the Series A stage? Right. So uh, fintech, because we we've invest, been investing in fintech since two thousand and five. Um, so and in, in two thousand and seven, we went only fintech. So we've been we've been uh, very committed to fintech for quite a long time. Uh, my background is actually setting up a, 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 a fintech company. So um, I've been a fintech entrepreneur myself. So what we believe is that financial services uh, was one of the later huge industries to really get disrupted by technology. They've been able to to hold hold back for a long time, but since the mid two thousands, this really started to change. And um, it's it's of course one of the one of the largest and most uh, central uh, industries to everybody's lives. Uh, and if you look at the whole landscape of fintech, every financial service that you could imagine is being rethought at the moment or has been re rethought. Uh, and, and we see in amazing opportunity in either, in actually doing two things. One, helping banks through this, this, this big digital transformation. So we invest in companies that actually provide uh, software, mostly software uh, services to banks to help them really get to this next stage of digitization and basically also fighting all fintechs, right? Um, and, and then we believe that there's all these new business models that are really changing the way we use financial services. And we like to be on the forefront of those. And we think a lot of big companies um, are going to come from that uh, and are being built right now. And so this is why fintech. So why at the... So seed stage is really interesting. Um, and... Um, uh, is that a, a risk issue? Yeah, it's a risk issue mainly. So seed stage is really interesting, but we, in the end, we believe that ideas are great, uh, but it might be like three percent of any success of a company is 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 the idea itself, and we believe it's all about execution and teams. So it's really hard to see get any uh, feel for that in the seed stage. So we like to invest when we know that uh, that there's a team that actually can build a product that actually can have some product market fit. So they know that there's people that want to pay some money to get that product. And, and so when I say Series A, we do pre-Series A, as we call it. So there's a product, there's uh, you know there's some customers that have been willing to pay, but we could go very early. So the better we understand, we understand um, the specific segment of, of that fact uh, and, and maybe also region, uh, the earlier we're willing to go. But we generally don't go pre-product, pre-revenue. So give me a sense of the size of your fund and whose money you're managing. Yeah. So um, the, the, let's start with the last question first. I mean, one of the things that makes make us quite different from other VC funds is that uh, we, uh, we actually don't invest other people's money. We invest one person's money. And his name is Willem Willemstein. Uh, basically, it's his family office or it's part of his family office. Uh, Willem is himself very involved in this. Uh, and and that makes us very flexible. So Willem is 
was very uh, successful entrepreneur. He was actually in oil business, built a very large company, IPO'd it twice. And and it's in, in the mid-2000s, he really got uh, this whole fintech bug uh, got him and he started investing there. I know him because I was one of the, I was the first fintech company he invested in. So um, we we grew up together as an entrepreneur and an investor, and then I joined him, and now we're investing together. So what was that company? It was a company called Zeco, uh, which was an online broker, um, and uh, like E-Trade uh, e and, 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 and Charles Schwab and guys like that. Uh, it, and, and we started it in, in it was an Amsterdam-based team, but we and we flew, basically uh, took our families, left for Silicon Valley, built a company there. And then we merged into Trade King, and, and that whole company got sold last year. Um, so, um, so, so what makes it different is Willem is a real entrepreneur. I have an entrepreneurial background. We don't have any time limits. We don't have any charters. We don't have any reporting to do. We don't need to raise money. So we spend all our time really helping the companies we invest in to grow. And we do that from an entrepreneurial background, right? We, we, know, we don't have to worry, oh, we have all this institutional money we're, we're managing. We just... We just like to help entrepreneurs build great businesses, and we really try to be how can we help this entrepreneur from, you know, the times that we were entrepreneurs ourselves, and um, and I think that 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 kind of works. So that makes us a little bit different. The, the second part of your question um, was how big is the fund, right? So so we have um, we have eight investments now, um, and they're pretty uh, global. So uh, we have an investment in in Hong Kong. We have two investments in Africa now. We have uh, uh, one investment in the U.S. Or actually, it's a Sweden-based company in the U.S. And we have, uh, and all the rest is in Europe. So in in the U.K. and in the Netherlands. Um, so typically, how how do you discover these opportunities? Typically, given the unstructured arrangement you just described. Yeah. So so this is also pretty unstructured, right? So we have a small team. It's uh, it's Willem and me, and we have a senior associate, uh, a great guy. So we, um, and and so we we okay. So the, the last, so we, we've decided we don't do FOMO, no fear of missing out. We 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 are not, we don't try to get into the next Facebook, the next Google, or the next uh, Andela Lending Club for Andela. Right? <laughs> I bet you wish you had. Uh, of course. So so it's not that it's, it's not. Of course, we want to invest in those companies, but let's say we we don't want to compete to be you know, like always and you know, we can't miss out on any opportunity so what we do is we we've been actually growing pretty organically we've been we've been finding our companies through uh friendly vcs that know is know know how we work know what our what, what our specialty is and and what our focus is uh people coming to us because because of the same uh, and us going to conferences and all that and following the news. So, but it's not like a super structured funnel where we throw in like the thousand top fintech companies and then come out with one. Um, it's been growing pretty organically. But, you know, out of our portfolio of eight, uh, no one has filled yet, like knock on wood. And we've been really able to, be, to help these, uh, these, these, um, these companies to grow and to, uh, and to, to get to solid stages of, um, uh, of, of being a company. So um, I, I think it works the, the way we do it. Yeah. And so given your unconventional approach, your pre-Series A, Series A focus, um, Africa doesn't scream, I, I'd imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, sitting in Amsterdam, for example, and given the rest of the developing world and 
and how relatively speaking in many respects africa is still catching up africa doesn't represent from a pipeline perspective a place that would be flooding you with tons of opportunities or am i wrong about that yeah so so two things when we say series a so i think what makes us a little bit different is that we get in at the series a stage but we always keep investing so I don't even know what it is a great statistic, but it is a, it's a statistic that's true. And I think it's important for entrepreneurs. We never miss the funding round of any of our companies. So somewhere now in the Series C stage, we keep investing. So we the way we invest is we often invest like a smaller amount, anywhere between 500,000 up to like two, three million in a first, in a first investment, uh, in a first round. But then we, we hope to get five to 10 million uh, in over the lifetime of that company, over our investing lifetime of that company. So we're very loyal investors. So we're also Series B and Series C investors. It's just we do that in the companies that we're already in. And often we take larger uh, larger tickets in later rounds than we did in our earlier rounds. So um, then Africa. I suppose I was asking in the context of uh, Africa not only starting to, to organize itself around, yeah. you know, angel investment syndicates and only starting to, to come into its own in terms of, uh, quite a few prospects and you know at the seed stage and that kind of thing so what i'm saying is you, in that context you're not as likely to participate on the continent on on the surface given what you've described about how you go about investing so so one, one thing is true right so we will not ne will never be a like uh, an household name carrying a large portfolio in in africa because we only have a limited portfolio and we'll, you know, we'll have 15 investments, but we'll not have 40 investments, right? And we'll do those worldwide. So we look at doing two to three, maybe four investments every year. And, and you know, this year we already did Africa and we might do another one, but it's, so we don't need like to see 40 companies to invest in. So we've made two African investments. One is in Celluland, which is a mobile payment company out of uh, Kenya. It's doing really well. I think one of the real leaders. Um, uh, very significant revenue base already, growing very fast. And, and now we invest in Yoko. So why why did we choose to go Africa and to, 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 uh, you know, to invest in these? One is that the opportunity for Africa, we see very in, in the financial services space, very different than it's in the rest of the world, right? So like mobile money, rest of the world, it's, it's a solution trying to find a problem. Right? What's the problem, right? We have a card, um, you know, specifically NFC. I mean, it's, it's so easy. Why do you really need mobile money? Now, of course, we know Africa is very different from that. It's the same with card readers like Yoko. Uh, these guys, they have now 70% of the, their customers never had, could accept cards before even SMEs, any, anyone that needs accept payments in, in the developing world. Of course, iZettle is a big company now, but there is the, the opportunity to build now where you, you, you have a whole bunch of, like a blue ocean of customers that have never used a, a digital payment product is not there anymore. So we see a lot of opportunity. Now, that's on the one side of it. So we see that the market is actually way more interesting. It's difficult, but way more interesting than it's in in other uh, uh, regions of the world, more developing, developed regions of the world. The other thing is, for us, I mean, many really great investors would love to be in Africa, but they, they can't, right? They can't get it together. They, their charters doesn't allow, like their LCs would say, why? LPs, sorry, would say, why? Why would you go to Africa, right? There's so much opportunity out here. So we're a small player, uh, very focused out of the Netherlands. In Africa, we can we can actually invest in the great companies. Like Yoke is one of the very great companies. I'm sure if we would have been in Silicon Valley, right? If if they would have been in Silicon Valley, would have, we would not have been their investor because there's so many others that invest there. So 
we see Africa as a great opportunity where actually the competitive field is very, uh, very, very good for us. And it's also because of the way what we are, right? We, are, we don't, you know, we have no um, strings attached. We can just decide we're going to be in Africa. And that decision itself gives us a lot of competitive advantage. And can you please, for, the, for all our listeners who are not accustomed to thinking of Africa in terms of best practice, in terms of rigor with regards to focusing on fundamental metrics and growth when it comes to building a successful company, please share some of what you shared in the, in the press launch when I heard you speak about uh, the team at, at, at Yoko and, and what you found there and what impressed you and what led you to... Uh, to invest and also just compare that with the sort of rigor you might apply to considering a good prospect in some way like Silicon Valley, for example. Uh, that's, that's, that's uh, I think, a great and very relevant question. So there's, there's lots of opportunities and, 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 and we are small teams. So someone pointed me to Yoko and said, you know, I know you guys are interested in Africa and you need to look at this opportunity. Now, the Ample space, um, uh, mobile, you know, mobile point of sale, is is a difficult space, right? So it, it's been Square was 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 a big hit, and then you know everybody believed in it, and they didn't believe in it, believed in it. In the end, it was it's a, it's a great company, of course. So, but it has been tried everywhere in the world. It turns out to be pretty hard, right? Payments is low margin business. So, so you know if someone says there's an Ampos company in in South Africa, you need to look at it's like hmm, South Africa as a market. How interesting is that? Then is Ampos? How interesting is that in itself? So I was not like really. Um, paying paying a lot of attention, and then this person kept telling me, "You need really you need to look at this." So I started looking at it, and um, first of all, the the reporting that I got in front of me was of a quality that I hardly see anywhere. I and mean, it's like literally all the the way they reported their key uh, indicators, the way they've been thinking about what do these guys need to see to you know to understand what we're doing was at a really really high level. I think that that for me is already like a great sign if people have so much analytical insight they really know what they need to look at and how to present it to you um but then the second thing was is what those metrics actually showed right it showed that this was a team that had been really working very diligently getting all their bases covered and then and testing and testing and then when they found what you know what the right mix was in, uh, for them to grow this product they they really put their pedal to, to the metal uh, and and uh, and and really started growing it. So if you look at the metrics that these guys have on, you know, what the cost of their customer acquisition is, um, uh, how, how the activity rates of of uh, of the merchants that they that use their products, it's, it's really really high. It's not dropping off. How they keep the margins high. To me, that was really exciting. So having been an entrepreneur, I've done three three startups myself. It's, you know, people can have the greatest ideas, but showing real growth with customers that then, you know, like after half a year are still using your product, that is still, it, it's like, it's exciting to me. It's re, I, that is truly impressive. That's the hardest thing to do. Growing at the wrong economics is also easier, right? You can spend a whole bunch of money and get people to buy your product uh, because you advertise the hell out of it. And then, and then actually then, then it all starts dropping off. So I, I saw these metrics and they really impressed me. So that was, I mean, it's a big trip to, 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 Come that that convinced us as a team to come over actually and spend two days with these guys, and um, and we spent two days, and they went through their business and and we always let it to the company to to you know spend the day as they want to spend it. I mean that tells says a lot to me. I'm not telling them you need to show me this and this and that. It's like you know you do what you need to show me me to for me to understand this business, 
and the analytical rigor and the levels of thinking that these guys have put in every single aspect of the business, whether it's their customer acquisition um, or their brand or their operations or their finances, it's totally best in class. Um, which is which is which made us really excited and and immediately decided that we wanted to be part of this uh, of this company. So I just came out of my first board meeting yesterday, and I literally have been taking notes and I'm going to talk to these guys if I can use some of some of this to actually work with my other company, some of my other companies, and say, guys, this is. I mean, when I talk about you know how you know how you can really run an, a data driven analytics driven business and how you can you know how you can take your board and and and, and your and your employees with it to to actually um uh to to to, to, to go on that journey with you totally data driven this is how you need to do it so i think these guys are absolutely totally blessed in class and it's and it's also interesting also the way they think about culture and the way they think about you know how to build it but again i mean if you you can think about, I mean, and we all know, great culture is what builds a business, right? So, and and they they they're thinking really hard. How can we scale this and grow this and keeping the culture and keeping like the highest productivity and keeping people happy? So they do that at a, is a, a, as as an analytical game as well. So the way they measure this and act on everything that and their findings, like weekly uh, polls that they do, and then that's how they you know data that data they use to to see how they can improve work life for their for their people and all that that's totally best in class so i think it's interesting you go you know maybe you don't expect um from the outset that you go to south africa and find a company that actually is totally best in class and in a lot of you know the way they run their their business but that's the way it is and i think that's where africa is at the moment as well and we see lots of great entrepreneurs um and uh, and they 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 basically i don't think that you'd necessarily find any better in either silicon valley or other parts of, of the world why is it so difficult to imagine that you'd find that sort of quality in South Africa? What's affecting the the mindset, uh, uh, the investment uh, perspectives or the investment mindset? What's keeping it from seeing Africa as a serious investment destination, do you think, in your opinion? Yeah, so there's a few things. One, um, I, I think that... Uh, uh, it's not only Africa, right? It's also in Europe. I, 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 it, it's true that, like Silicon Valley, quality is also because everybody's there and they've all been doing it, and people are the end startup, and you have the whole investment ecosystem that supports that. the The quality of of you know how people build their businesses uh, on on some of the basics of that is is often higher than outside of Silicon Valley, right? So it's not only it's also you wouldn't expect it to find it in I think, the, the, you know, what I find here, I think, is really best in class. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not just saying you don't expect that in, in Africa. The, the other thing is, I think it has to do with maturity of, of ecosystem. Why do we expect a high level of quality in Silicon Valley? Because they've been at this game for a very long time, and that whole ecosystem is very mature. So in, in ecosystems that are not so mature, you don't really expect to see that. And I and, and, and like, literally, I, we had it in the Netherlands as well. So in the Netherlands, when, you know, there is like most uh, uh, ten years ago, most law firms did not have a standard term sheet. I think many still don't have a t standard term sheet. So you go there as a customer, and and you say, "I need to have a term sheet for an invest Series A investment," and they really start to think, "All right, let's what's how shall we make an, uh, a term sheet?" Well, you know, 
in the US, there's standard term sheet, right? You don't spend money on the term sheet because that's totally standard. So, and that's because that whole ecosystem has matured. So, and I do think it's true that if you go uh, outside of that, and, and either it's in Africa, but we invest in Asia as well, you do see that there's more work, right? Because, like, say a standard term sheet for a Series A round, um, like you have an investor gets uh, preferential shares. Uh, with a liquidity preference and some anti-dilution protection and all that. So if you look at that and you read it and you're not very knowledgeable about this whole thing, it reads pretty badly, right? It reads like, wow, wh wh why do you have, like, why are they more important shareholders than we are? And all that, that discussion. Um, and I think that, you know, going to Silicon Valley, you don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to go through that discussion at all. Uh, and now... I think there's a global ecosystem, right? So people, because of podcasts like yours and whatever, you know, everybody's listening to the same. So everybody get, is getting educated. But what you do see is that it's just easier to be somewhere where this is people have been doing this for a long time, and there's a shared understanding of all the all the basics, and people like people know what's like this is the normal, right? And that's and, and this is aggressive, and that's and that's like this is this is founder friendly, and this is. And all those, th that, that makes it easier to, to do investments in, in more mature ecosystems. And so let's talk, I, I, now we just talked about Europe, let's just talk about some of the things you wish, having been in Asia, having invested now on, you know, on the continent in your second startup and probably having your eyes in other developing markets. What are some of the things in terms of the maturity of you know, developing markets uh, ecosystems, or at least the, the, you know, the tech and innovation in ecosystems, the startup ecosystems, what are some of the things that you wish would catch up quite quickly to suit your investment appetite or your sense of um, where you'd like to see things go? So there's a few things. I mean, um, in, in, and, and this is Sub-Saharan Africa more specifically maybe, uh, but it, it's, as a venture investor, you invest in, there's this, the logic is, you know, I buy a little piece of your company. You actually don't get money in your pocket, um, but we put that money in the company. And then you have less of that company, but we grow the company. And so the stake that you have left is going to be worth more. And then we do that multiple times, right? And this is going to be a journey. It's going to take five to 10 years. And then you hopefully, if, if we're all successful, you end up with a smaller part, might even be a small part, of a very big pie, right? That's the game. Now, and, and then we sell it or we, we IPO it and then we all, you know, have done well. We've, we've, we've had a successful entrepreneurial experience. Now, this is, I mean, if you're in Silicon Valley and I, I lived in San Francisco, then like the guy next to me and on the other side of the street and, you know, they all done it. They either had options in a company that did this journey or they, they were entrepreneurs and they made a little money and, and you know, you see it. In, in Sub-Saharan Africa, this is a harder sell because... It's like whoever did this before, right? How many people can you point me to who went on that journey with you and like with you or with anyone else in this venture, in, in like venture funded model and came out well on the other end, right? It's a long, it's a big leap of faith, five to 10 years. And what could happen in five to 10 years? So I don't know whether I, this is, this, it would help everyone when we get through this first cycle of successful venture funded companies going through good exits and actually have entrepreneurs that had a good experience doing this and, and being examples for the market because there's still quite a little skepticism I find in you know, willing, willingness to dilute for you know very long term you know say five to ten years um, so so that's uh, that's that's one um, 
you know, for us, and, and but this is not going to go away. I mean, all the capital constraints, also in South Africa, the 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 currency risks. I mean, that's that's a big thing, and we choose to not take a big uh, to to not take a big uh, uh, point of view on that. If we would, we couldn't invest here. But if you have a fund that actually has a five year time frame. Uh, or a seven years time frame, a currency risk is is even another animal, right? You you know that that if you if you end up on the wrong side of this currency thing, after so many years, and there's huge fluctuations. That makes it that makes it very hard. So so that's one. I think that on the lawyer side, we we need more. You know, I, the the the. I think that um, more specialized um, legal uh, legal advisory. Yeah, so you know, if you if you want to help uh, an investor and a company doing a Series A round, that is a very different thing than helping a large company do an M and A transaction, right? And uh, and the cost should be different, and and the way you look at documents should be different, way more pragmatic. I mean, all the the reps and warranties, for example, in a startup, like if there's hardly anything, you can make documents with twenty pages on reps and warranties, but you know, there's there's not nothing really there in the final sort of money. So, yeah. so um, and I think all that, and I I've seen the same happening in Europe. That is it's tough. You need you need to get some lawyers that actually can do this. That that you can do around for a few thousand uh, dollars instead of you know spending thirty thousand dollars on legal costs for for a smaller round. So I think you know those those are kind of the things that uh, that would really help. Okay, that's very insightful. Um, last question, perhaps: Is there a pit uh, trend? globally maybe on the continent that you're particularly excited about uh, and why a tech trend a tech trend so yeah so we look at uh, we look at uh, fintech only right so uh, i suppose let me rephrase that question because you're clearly excited about fintech is there a, a, tr a trend outside i mean it could be anything it could be in agritech it could be could be ai whatever like what 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 sort of gets you going you know uh, when when you're not thinking about fintech so um so I'm okay. Now we're going back to fintech, but there's one I'm I'm very excited about blockchain. He's hopeless. <laughs> I'm very excited about blockchain about Bitcoin. Now I'm very excited about that as me uh, being a bit of a fintech geek and 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 believing that this will change the world in a very very significant way. And are you aware of how excited our, the South African Reserve Bank is about it? And I mean they they're talking about possibly creating a, a parallel e currency to you know similar to Tunisia and, and Senegal. Yeah, and that's, I mean, and, and I, I think, you know, th there will be many initiatives like this. And the problem is we haven't figured a way out to invest in it. So although I'm extremely excited about it, and our team is, our whole team, Willem as well, but we, we, we haven't found a way to, to invest. So You don't think block, uh, sorry, you don't think uh, Bitcoin is turning into a legitimate uh, asset class? Um, you know, actually, I'm an investor in Bitcoin myself. Because I do believe that I, I think that there's a place for Bitcoin. It will not be the global currency change. That will not all happen, but it will grow, and I'm, I'm. It will have a place, and it will get. It will stabilize, and it will be an important means of payment currency in a niche uh, going forward. And that niche, you know, the great thing about currency, you don't have to have a very big niche to be like a very big currency, right? So ask Singapore. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I, I I totally I totally believe that uh, that Bitcoin has a future and will be there to stay, um, and and on blockchain I mean we I, I think that that uh, I, I also I mean personally I I'm, I have a bit of bet on Ethereum I think that that's going to be one of the ecosystems that could win, which again the South African Reserve Bank has been 
experimenting on, which is which is fun. Yeah. So so that's one, and then the other one is is um, AI. Now I'm I'm just I'm I'm it's it's almost blows my brain, right? I, what what the opportunities there are going to be, and it's also a bit scary in a way because it, it feels like that everything we we've, we've known and all the investments we've made, you know, AI could change everything on that in, in when it, when it really starts to hit. So. Um, I, I, no, you mean, do you mean that in Elon Musk terms? Because I mean, speaking about him as an extreme sort of futurist view, or do you do you mean more like day to day in terms of how AI might be doing more than it's currently doing in, say, your iPhone? What, what do you when, well, in terms of where are you on the scale? So, to be honest, I'm also. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit. We need to. I think that it, it, the exponential growth of, of computing power could really mean that we create AIs that are a thousand times, a million times, a billion times as smart, a billion times maybe, but a million times as smart as we are. And what that means is hard, very hard to say, but I, I think that we want to control that in some way. This could be, this this is something that is, goes beyond anything we've done before, right? So so I, I, I'm, I'm there a little bit with Elon Musk. We need to really be careful about this stuff. And the other thing is that that, uh, that I do believe that AI is just going to change a whole bunch of all the things we do. I mean, like AI is so people say robots are going to change the world right now um i think robots already changed the world if you look at what's happening in the us with trump i mean why are people feeling so bad it, it's not because their jobs left to mexico it's because of automation and the automation is robots why i don't know why we call them call robots because it literally is robots right now we're going to take that to the next level and now a self-driving car is a robot right that's 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 a robot and it drives itself at some point because of ai right that so and Ford clearly knows that um, they're betting a billion dollars on that. Yeah. So absolutely. So AI together with robots, I think it's going to change the whole world. Right? It's going to be really something that's that's. Um, um, I'm not only excited about it. I think that in ten years' time, we, we 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 the world looks so much different than we are now, and that's that's really exciting. Well, thank you very much for chatting to me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much. It's been very been a pleasure to be here.